Prepare your heart to be moved by God through the preaching and teaching of His Word as delivered at Truth Gatherer's Dream Center Church. Let's go to Luke, the 10th chapter. I want to pick up on where we are as a church and helping you get back into your zone, helping you get back into your flow as it relates to spiritual callings, as it relates to the grace on your life. Amen. I started, I'm picking up on part two of Don't Miss Your Assignment, part two. A few weeks ago, I shared part one from Psalms 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity is what's my main focus. And then I picked up on a whole story about Joshua and Moses in the valley dealing with Amalek. And then Prophetess Felicia came and blessed us last week about the weight of your assignment. You got to be able to carry the weight of your assignment. The weight of your assignment. And you got to be able to connect with people who are also going through what you're going through. And I ain't talking about the pain of it all. I'm talking about the promise. You can find a lot of folks with pain, but how many people got the promise? Come on, and Mary and Elizabeth connected with one another and they was able to celebrate what God was doing in the midst of their both having odd situations. One, Elizabeth being old of age, getting pregnant with her son, who will be named John, and then Mary getting pregnant by the Holy Ghost. And sometimes to get through what God has called you to do in an assignment, you got to start connecting with people, not who necessarily have the same pain, but who have a similar promise. Because you can find people with pain all over the world, but how many people are trying to get through the pain and get to the promise? And that was the word of God. Will you give God praise for the woman of God, Prophetess Felicia? We appreciate how God moved through that word. I want to pick up on part two of don't miss your assignment. Don't miss your assignment. I want to start reading from Luke 25, uh, Luke 10, verse 25. And I want to catch this story here, which will be the main focus of my teaching today, preaching today. At verse uh, 25, we'll start. And that'll just help us have a foundation. So here it is. And behold... A certain lawyer stood up, tempting him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, what is, it, uh, what, is it, what is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answered, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy strength and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself, says the lawyer. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and fell among thieves, which stripped him of all his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at that place, came and looked on him 
and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was the neighbor unto him that fell among these thieves? And he said, he that showeth mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Our foundational scripture that I will kind of springboard from. This whole Luke 10th chapter really starts out with the assignment to all believers which is evangelism evangelism is not the thing that only evangelists do everybody who's been evangelized should have evangelism because one thing that happened as a result of your sins being reconciled by Jesus Christ, now you are a recipient of that grace and you should turn around and extend the same thing that was given to you. So Luke, Luke 10 starts out with Jesus sending 70 to go out before him and minister in the cities. As they go out to minister in the cities, he forewarns them that there are going to be so many people who need this gospel. He said, when you go out, I'm going to tell you there are going to be so many people you meet that need this gospel. They're in need. It, so don't be overwhelmed and don't be surprised. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't be surprised. In verse 2, this is how he says it. He says, therefore, say he unto them, the harvest is truly great. So what Jesus says to the people he sends out, he says, I want you to know, don't get overwhelmed because when you go out there, you're going to see some lost souls. You're going to see some people who've tried it their own way and it's still not working. You're going to see some people who's got caught up in all kinds of situations. The harvest is truly great. But the challenge is the laborers are few. He says, you're going to see this thing, this dichotomy of what I'm trying to get done. And when you go out there and start working, you're going to potentially feel overwhelmed while you're working. Because so many people have problems, but it doesn't seem like I got enough people to provide a solution. He tells them basically, don't go get overwhelmed. Don't get upset. This is what he tells them to do. He says, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. He says, when you get out there and you get all overwhelmed, don't get overwhelmed and you see so many things to be done. He says, don't get overwhelmed. He says, what you got to do is start praying to the Lord of the harvest. In other words, don't start fussing at the laborers. Don't start fussing at everybody. People are not going to get to work because you just fuss. 
he says don't don't work that way because the truth of the matter uh, just what Jesus is also trying to say he says I don't want nobody working for me who had to be fussed into it he says so fussing is not it I need people who will rise up and be laborers because they understand what I've done for them I need people who are persuaded to be laborers because they have consciousness of where they once were I don't need people who get into working for me through forced labor Oh, it's not a forced labor. It's a labor of love. We do it because of love. It has to be by love because if it's not by love, it's not counted as worthy. Oh, it has to be a labor of love. He says, so we don't fuss about laborers, but we go to the Lord of the harvest. And this is what happened. And then the Lord of the harvest sees the harvest and what they have need of. And the Lord of the harvest is also the Lord of the laborer. <laughs> oh, the Lord of the lab the Lord of the laborer will start stirring the laborer to get in the harvest. And sometimes many of us don't know what's going on in our lives. God is time to stir the laborers. Sometimes when we get a little too comfortable in where we are, it's like the Lord treats us like an eagle mother who's trying to tell the eaglet it's time to get out the nest. And when the when the eagle mother tells the eaglet it's time for you to get out the nest because you got wings enough to fly, she can't sit there and fuss all day about having wings and you should be able to fly. She changes her strategy and she goes out and she finds thorns and she put thorns inside the nest. And sooner or later, that eaglet with full wings to fly can't sit there in the nest because it's uncomfortable being still there are times in our lives we are have gotten comfortable because God has delivered us God has blessed us with income we got two car garage and five cars and God's been good you ain't saying nothing God's been good to us but we're so comfortable we can't help nobody else and so God in his sovereignty for the sake of the harvest start making the laborer uncomfortable and that eagle mother will put them thorns in the nest because she said, I know you can fly. Not only do I know you can fly, you watch me fly and get you food every day. So you've been looking at the image of yourself every day when I come here and feed you and then I fly away. I saw all in front of you to teach you, eaglet, that you can do this too. And every eaglet is not the same. Some people, you put a little thorns in their life and they get uncomfortable and they say, I got to do this. God is trying to get me out of my comfort zone. I got to get out of this. God is trying to get me out of where I am and I'm about to just spread my wings and get to doing what I need to do. But every eaglet is not the same. There's some of us who need a little more than that. You know, so the eaglet knows that some of them will still try to find a comfortable spot in that nest, even though they're thorns. So sometimes what the eagle also do is she'll grab that eaglet. And she says, yeah, you're going to fly today and I'm going to help you learn to fly. And that eagle will grab that eaglet and take him up real high. And when she take it up real high, all of a sudden she'll say, fly, baby, fly. She'll let that eaglet go and let that eaglet feel the wind. 
And while that eaglet feel like, oh my God, I ain't never stretched my wings before, but you got them. I ain't never did this before, but you got the strength. Sooner or later, that eaglet will stretch out its wings and begin to fly. And some of us, God has to stir us to get us out of our comfort zone. So Jesus tell the disciples, when you get out there and see all the work, don't start fussing. Because people are getting to work and it will not be a labor of love. It'll be forced labor. He's trying to teach them about healthy evangelism. He said, I got a lot of candidates, but all I really need to do is turn those candidates into willing labors. Tell somebody willing workers are needed each and every day. Y'all know nothing about that. <laughs> yeah, willing workers are needed. He don't need forced labor. He's trying to get them on the same plane of evangelism. As he sends this 70 out, they begin to get great victory. They come back. The 70 he sent out comes back to Jesus with a report. In verse 7, they says, um, verse 7, they say, listen to what they say. In verse 7, he says, uh, all right, let me get verse 7 first. That's where I am. All right, maybe I'm skipping ahead. And verse 7, yeah, that's all I'm doing. I'm skipping ahead. Ah, there you go. Verse 7, he says, and when you go out, listen to this, when you go out from house to house, house remain eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is truly worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. He says, listen to this, even when you go out from house to house, you go into a city, receive the hospitality that's before you. So he even teaches that the labor even worthy of his hire. This is very important to getting people to serve and getting people to function. He says the labor is worthy of his hire. He says so there has to be a culture of appreciation for the laborer. If you're not careful, we'll create a culture where we don't tell people thank you. We don't tell people we appreciate them. Amen. We don't tell people how much we love them. We say, we expect you to do that. You sound so mean. You sound like a slave owner or a slave driver or a cattle driver. Ain't nobody want to work or serve under somebody who can never learn to say thank you or show appreciation. So Jesus even tells his disciples, learn how to receive. This work in the kingdom is not a work or a work where we take an oath of poverty. The devil is a lie. People have to scribe ministry to be such as we have to take an oath of poverty in order to serve God well. Amen. That you can't be blessed, that God can't honor you or reward you because of your labor in the kingdom. And the devil is a liar. He says right here that the laborer is worthy of his hire. It means receive a appreciation so he even teaches the laborers how to receive some of us have our laboring in the kingdom but you don't even let people tell you thank you people try to tell you thank you you be like no 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 you better learn to receive feedback concerning your good work why because there's gonna come a season where you're gonna be tried and you're gonna be up against heavy trials and if you hadn't learned how to receive the thank yous from people you're gonna be bankrupt in the day where the enemy is trying to get you to commit suicide he's trying to make you throw in the towel he's telling you ain't worth nothing you're going through a hard season and you ain't got nothing to regurgitate take from your spirit you know why because everybody that told you thank you you act like it wouldn't mean nothing everybody who said I appreciate you some people just go about that way when people try to bless them you know I'm too good to be blessed 
I'm too good for you to tell me thank you. I'm too good. You ain't got to tell me nothing. You better learn how to receive healthy appreciation. He tries to get them ready to be good, strong evangelists. Verse 10, this is where I was going. But in so whatever city you enter, they receive you not. Go your ways into the streets of the same and say, even the very dust of your, your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. What he's also saying when you get on your assignment, don't be so easily offended. When you get on your assignment, don't be so easily offended. There are times God going to give you a word. There's times God going to give you an assignment. And you can't be running away from the playground saying, Mommy, they won't play with my toys. You can't be running around saying they didn't appreciate me. That's why when people do appreciate you, you need to receive it. Because there are going to be times where people do not appreciate you. And you can't quit because of the lack of appreciation. You got to stay on the assignment and he tells them don't don't you quit when people reject your message He says what you do is you don't even try to force feed people now, I know there are a lot of people feel so anointed. They feel like they're gonna force feed everybody. Come on somebody I'm telling y'all if I can be very honest. I ain't trying to force feed nobody I can encourage you. I can stir you. I can put it good on a platter. Come on. Come on I want to put steak on a garbage pail. I'll put it on a good platter to so you can know you appreciate it you know what I'm saying but after all of that I'm not trying to force feed anybody come on I'm not trying to he says look I say, look, if they don't want to hear your message, you still on it. You still got grace. He says, wipe the dust off of your feet. Let it be a sign against them. And what? Keep going your way. There are times you lose momentum because you still talking about who rejected you. You still talking about who didn't like you. You still and you lose momentum talking about what happened yesterday. He tells his disciples of the Simon leg, hey, 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 don't be, don't be spending time rehearsing that pain all day. Kick it, dust, kick the dust off of you and move on because there's someone else want to get free. Y'all hear me? Verse 17, he gives them more instructions of the assignment. He says, and the 70 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. That's what they said, verse 17. And he said unto them, listen to his response, I beheld Satan as lightning falling from heaven. What? They come back and say, Lord, we got great results. Even the demons are subject to us through your name. Jesus responded, and he said unto them, Behold, Satan is as lightning. I saw Satan beheld, I saw, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. What? He says, don't get all caught up in how the demons respond to you because I saw Satan who was once Lucifer, who was once a, a once honorable in the presence of the Lord. I saw him fall down like lightning. Don't you get arrogant by your results? As you get on your assignment, don't you get arrogant about the results God give you? Because he says, I know someone who was doing well and the next day I saw them getting kicked out of heaven. 
Or this humbling experience to be on your assignment to take appreciation but never get so big headed that you start calculating the likes on your posts you start thinking that you somebody more better than everybody else because of how many Facebook friends you have you better be careful how you get caught up in the wrong things and it drives your perspective and personality to the wrong type of esteem he says look I don't need y'all to get caught up into that I'll saw somebody doing great and on the next day they was next day or another season they were getting kicked out of heaven all right so this is what he says in verse 20 he says notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice because your name it's written in heaven all right you got that he says uh, i don't want you to get caught up on just the, re- the results all right that's fine things like that going to happen but your greatest uh, opportunity to rejoice is that your name is written in heaven come on come on that you're not on assignment listen to this this is a this is a very powerful statement because <clears throat> we know through scripture that it's possible to be doing the work of the lord and then get to the day of judgment and he says i know you not ye worker of iniquity we know that right because the scripture says that many people will come to him at that last day and say i preached in your name i prophesied in your name he gonna say i know you not ye worker of iniquity into into eternal damnation right that's what he's going to say so i believe it is possible he's trying to say something here he says what you need to do is you need to celebrate that while you are serving you are still in right standing see not that you're just getting results because again people on that last day gonna mention results to jesus and thinking results gonna get them in the door and i'm telling y'all i know something about god god will use you Oh, he'll use your gift. He'll use your talent. Yes, he will. Because he gave it to you. You can't be mad about him. He gave it to you anyway. He'll use it. And if you don't come back and give him honor and submit your life to him, he'll still use your gift, use your talent, and you still, without the right lifestyle, won't enter into heaven. And you can get mad about God, but it's God's prerogative to use you up and still not get a heaven's reward. Uh, people don't like the gospel like this what kind of God is this what kind of God is this what kind of person are you we always want to blame God for God standing his ground God said I get every right to tell you that you won't enter into eternal peace and eternal rest I gave you these gifts and you never submitted them to me you did everything you wanted to do and you was a worker of iniquity and you're gonna say well Lord people got saved yeah they saved but you not he says, so don't celebrate that only that you get results on your assignment. Celebrate that after you get hundreds and thousands of people saved. The reason I still rejoice. I don't rejoice over all the demons that was cast out. I don't rejoice over all the people who were healed. After it's all said and done, I'm excited that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, do I got any people excited that your name is written? in the lamb book of life all of these things these points that i've mentioned in these verses are just introductory foundation if we have these bases these bases will help us not to miss our assignment our next few verses that i've read troubles me and i hope it'll trouble you
read a story about a certain lawyer who's listened to this whole dialogue of Jesus and the disciples here about what it is to witness and hear the results of those who've given their life to Christ. And there's a certain lawyer who's right there. He's right there listening to it all. In the midst of it, him being a lawyer, decide I'm going to ask Jesus a profound question. Many times these lawyers would do so to test Jesus. Because he's coming right on the basis that he's telling his disciples, you can do all of this, but the most important thing is to have eternal life. This lawyer tries to be very technical with Jesus. He want to know what I got to do to inherit eternal life. Jesus says, well, since you're going to test me, I'm going to test you. Jesus said, well, tell me what's in the law. Tell me what the law say. He said, well, okay. He's an opportunity for him to strut his stuff, to flex his muscles. He answered verse 27. He said, thou shalt love the Lord, the Lord thy God, with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. He said unto him, thou has answered right, Jesus responded. This do and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Many times in our challenge of life, the thing that starts hindering us from fully completing our assignment, although we have been taught on how to complete our assignment, the thing that hinders us from hitting the target of our assignment is we start justifying ourselves. Even after Christ has justified us and made us worthy and made us fit to be in his kingdom, sometimes we come along after education, after being at a place that we could barely pay our bills, but now because we can pay our bills, because the cable bill can come in the month of May and we can pay it for the whole year in advance. Come on, there's some people who just don't like bills, you know what I'm saying? They call Comcast and say, don't you send me another bill to next year. I'm going to pay you in advance. There's some people who don't like bills. They just like to pay them for the whole year. But there's some time after God has picked us up, delivered us, set us free, give us new perspective, that now we can see things different. We start to justify ourselves. This is really the blind spot that will start hindering you from functioning in your assignment. This man now wants to talk to Jesus and justify himself. He says, wait a minute, I can do all the things that you uh, asked me to repeat. I can love the Lord with all my heart and all my mind. But wait a minute, we got a technicality. And the reason I'm going to be able uh, to justify myself when I don't fully do what you want me to do, because I got a way out. It's called, who is my neighbor? Because I'm looking for an escape goat when I don't fulfill the law, when I don't fulfill my assignment. I'm looking for a technicality to be able to say, well, that's not my neighbor. I'm looking for a definition that makes me comfortable. I'm looking for something that puts me at ease, that I can come wiggle through my assignment. So he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus being Jesus in verse 30. He answered and said, well, let me tell you a story about a man 
He was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And while he was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, he fell among some thieves and some robbers. They wounded him. They beat him down. Took his coat, took everything he had, robbed him, and they left him half dead. Then there came two different characters that walked by and saw the beat down man. The first one was a priest who passed by, looked at him, and kept walking on the other side. The other one was a Levite who looked at him, came up to him. The Levite had a little more in him. The priest looked across, because you know the priests live by certain customs. And one thing about a priest, they had to live a holy life. So in that opportunity, that was the where the priest called a technicality. And the priest says, oh, I don't know what happened to him. I can't even touch him. Because I'm a priest and I'm clean. I don't know what happened to his life. I don't know what happened, what he'd been through. I don't know why he bleeding, why he broke, why, why he's naked. But because of who I am and I, because of my position, I can't be found with him. The priest uses a technicality to not even come and look on him. And what part? The Levite does a little bit better. The Levite at least comes close to him. Levite, the ones consecrated for praise. The Levite comes close to him and looks at him and said, uh, nah, I can't do that. And then here comes a Samaritan. Samaritan are the people of mixed blood. They are the people who are also of Jewish nature, but because they also went into intermarriage, they were called the Samaritans. But the Samaritan is just passing by as well. And while the Samaritan is passing by, he sees him, and the Bible says, has compassion on him. So the whole difference between uh, the three characters, uh, the priest won't leave and touch him, uh, the Levite come close but still won't help, but the Samaritan has compassion on him. That word compassion means that you don't only see things, but you are moved by what you see. We got enough people who got sight, but don't do anything with their sight. God has me on this and I'm going to keep pushing it until we start being responsible for what we see and start trying to do something about what we see. Here are people who see a man that got robbed, beat down, going through tough things and they pass right by, but the Samaritan has compassion. Compassion just don't look at you. Compassion means not only do I have a passion to help you, that's the word compassion, but the word come means I surround you in my passion. I make a refuge out of my passion and because my compassion moves me to help you. I have a big dilemma uh, with this whole text and this whole analogy that Jesus is trying to explain here. The reason I have a problem with it because the Bible lets us know that the man was coming from Jerusalem to Jericho. It's not happenstance, not necessary happenstance that the priest and the Levite see this man. The reason they see this man is because Jerusalem is the place of worship. 
The Jerusalem is the place where the people of God go worship. So yeah, we can expect a priest and a Levite to be passing that way because everybody would go up to Jerusalem because Jerusalem was on a mountain. All right, so that's why they're going from Jerusalem down to Jer Jericho and they're going back home after worship. Here's Here it is. He's trying to put us into focus about what happens when we gather for worship does it make a difference after worship does it make a difference in our lives after worship after we come together and celebrate our king and thank him for delivering us and doing all the wonderful things for us does it make an impact in who we are after worship they're going from Jerusalem to Jericho and as they're going from Jerusalem it means it's an after church experience it's not how good you look when you come in here on Sunday morning it's not good how much we praise him after Sunday morning uh, here it is, it's one of my main points has our thankfulness turned into service has our thankfulness how much God's been good to us has it made us want to help somebody else has God God has rescued us has it made us want to rescue somebody else has our thankfulness turned into service or are we just steady being thankful for what he's done for us and don't want to give nobody else a chance to be thankful I got a problem here and I think Jesus is trying to draw a very strong premise here they're coming from Jerusalem to Jericho I believe there's an indictment happening against our worship there's an indictment happening against our worship if our thankfulness don't turn into service he gives his analogy about who's your neighbor. He says, and he talks to people who have learned to be discriminatory and prejudiced against who they help. This is a culture of people who are always looking for a reason not to help somebody. They're always looking for a reason to get out of service. They're always getting, looking for a reason not to fulfill an assignment. He quoted, all these, quoted every part of the verse. But when he got to that part about his neighbor... He wanted to talk to Jesus about who is his neighbor. He wanted to talk about who is my neighbor. And Jesus is making a point here. He's making a point. He says, your neighbor is the person you see struggling. Don't you understand? I got to keep preaching this because God has been trying to grow me into even teaching you new assignments, getting you prepared to be mature. You know, because one part of our assignment in life is about actually what God allows us to see. Let me show you this way. Rich man and poor man Lazarus. One of the judgments of the rich man is he passed by poor man Lazarus every day. Go look it up if you don't know the story. When I get finished preaching, go look up rich man and poor man Lazarus. Go look it up. The, the, the rich man came out of his house every day and walked right past Lazarus. Didn't try to help him, didn't try to support him had the goods, just looked at poor man Lazarus. Well, when they died, poor man, Laz or the poor man, the poor man uh, Lazarus was sitting in the bosom of Abraham. And it says it so that the rich man was able to look up because he was down. <laughs> he was able to look up and see 
that the, that the uh, poor man had made it to the bosom of Abraham. Part of his torment was to see what he didn't do because he ignored what he could do. So part of his reward was also to see who he didn't help. And God allowed this rich man and that he just wanted just a tip of cool just to quench his thirst because he had everlasting thirstiness and everlasting fire. All right. And God allowed his judgment to be to look at the person he never helped that made it into heaven. See, part of our responsibility is to take care of what we see. And these people miss their assignment being technical and some type of technicality that they feel like justified them for not doing anything by what they saw. But the Samaritan, who's our example in the text, had compassion on him. Look what he did, verse 34. And he went to him, and I keep reading this. I said, God, this is such a tragedy. It's just a, it's a tragedy that the Samaritan gets the focus of the reward in the text. It's a tragedy. The priest is supposed to be the one that picked him up. If anybody know anything about redemption, it should be the priest. If anybody know anything, it should ought to be the Levite. But the Samaritan gets the credit for helping out the neighbor. This is an indictment on our worship. This is an indictment that our thankfulness had not turned into an assignment. Look what the Samaritan did. And he went to him, bound him, went to him and bound up his wounds. Poured oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an end and took care of him. Let me tell you something. Your assignment is going to cost you inconvenience. If you're looking to look good on your assignment, you're not ready for it. Because you're going to sweat on some of these assignments. Now, you can come in handsome and looking pretty, but you better be willing to get dirty. I ain't got no, I don't believe in showing up for work looking a mess now. At least coming to work looking like you belong here. But after you get here, you got to be willing to get some sweat down going on. Because everything in your assignment is not going to be convenient. I've even heard people who've called to preach say, I'm called to the millionaires because I, I ain't got the tolerance to talk to people who smell bad. The fact that you can say that makes me even doubt if you call properly. Come on, because you can't always choose who you preach to. You can't always choose who you got to minister to. And if it's all about people got it money, I heard somebody say this for real. If it's all about people got money, we know what your motive is. You greedy, greedy, greedy. Because everybody you got to minister to ain't going to have no money. Everybody ain't going to minister to ain't going to be able to pay your, your honorarium. Everybody you're going to minister to ain't going to be able to bless you and all these other kind of things. Sometimes all they're going to tell you is thank you and you're going to have to go home with whatever you had when you came here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's going to cost us something to fulfill our assignment. I feel the Holy Ghost pushing me here. I've heard people say that I couldn't believe they said that out their mouth and said it with a swagger too. But it's going to cost you something on your assignment. He went to him, bound up, brought down his wounds, poured in oil. And look, 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 look what's happening. Look what's happening. Look at the pace. You're going to have to take some of that goodness sometime that God gave you and share it with some other folks. 
You don't see him around here trying to get everybody else to get in, everything. You know, hold on a minute, brother. Because I can't spend my money on you. It's going to cost you some time to fulfill your assignment. Oh, oh, it will test your heart. This whole thing, it will test your heart. Your assignment will test your character. Your assignment will test, have you been, have you been through the fire? Oh, it will test, have you, do you have any character? Your assignment will test you. Come on, when you have to go witness to somebody and they don't know your name, they don't know how to go on Facebook and tell everybody how good you are. They don't know how to tell everybody you've been wonderful and you don't get no accolades from it. You don't get another engagement from it. You don't get another assignment from it. See, too many people addicted to the limelight, addicted to the who calling their name. But God will put you on an assignment in the backwoods. What nobody know your name. What ain't got no reception back in the woods. And they can't post while you're preaching. And we'll see if you're really happy when God puts you on the backwoods somewhere. Do you still have joy that your name is written in the book of life? See, it's going to cost you something to fulfill your assignment. See that? See, real ministry and real assignment, real work will get all that zeal out you. That immature zeal I'm talking about. I like a little bit of ambition. I like initiative, but I'm talking about that zeal. That you just want to do everything, go everywhere, and all this kind of stuff. When you don't know what it costs. Real ministry will humble you and balance you. Real ministry, come on, real ministry, come on now. Real ministry will make you pray a little more. Make you fast a little more. Make you read your scripture twice. Come on, real ministry. Hallelujah will teach you what it is to give of yourself. Come on, let me finish here. He poured oil. He poured in oil and wine. He, he brought healing to the pain of this man. He set him on his beast, put him on his own beast. He picked up the man. He felt the weight of somebody else's struggle. Oh, this is real assignment here. And brought him to the inn, the hotel, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence. And gave to the host, took out his money, paid the host. He said, I'm leaving, but he's staying. And I'm going to pay for these nights. And if he stay a little bit more, when I come back, I'm going to take care of him. See, so many people are too busy worried about taking advantage of so strongly, God can't use you for nothing. You're so worried about being taken advantage of as if you ain't got the Holy Ghost. I say as if you don't have the Holy Ghost or discernment. You act like you ain't got the Holy Ghost. Somebody need help and you can't discern in the spirit when something don't sound right. So it's about time for people to get filled with the Holy Spirit so you can stop being suspicious for people you need to be helping. See, if you get the Holy Ghost, you can discern if somebody trying to trick you and all that kind of, the Holy Spirit will give you a nudge in your spirit if it's somebody trying to trick you. But if you're so worried all the time of somebody taking advantage of you because you still hurt from somebody who did take advantage of you, it's going to follow you. That hurt and that pain going to follow you right into your assignment. And when you're time to help somebody, you can't discern if this is a place where I can give and not worry about what's going to happen. I've been there many times where people try to pull games on me. 
And for the most part, I'm pretty good at it. Amen. I don't remember too many people tricking me. Hallelujah. I had people come and ask me for stuff at the grocery store, ask me to put stuff at the gas station. Hallelujah. I don't seen it all. Sometimes I'm willing to help too. Hallelujah. I don't seen people lie right there to me. Just lie. After a while, I'll tell them, after a while, I'm discerning they lying, then I'll just go ahead and tell them, well, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor. This is just to get them to stop lying, because I'm already discerning they lying. Hallelujah. And then they, they keep going, and they make a more embellished story, you know, because now he's saved, and I can show get him, you know, that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff. Yeah, and I've been there, all the kind of stuff. Come on. And the Holy Ghost give you wisdom in that moment when you're dealing with shyster stuff. Come on, the Holy You ain't got to be afraid. You got the Holy Ghost. You ain't got to be fearful. You got the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you. Come on, right there. I've been there. Holy Ghost said, no, don't, don't, don't ask him this question. And I start asking a certain question about the Holy Ghost. I start asking these questions about the Holy Ghost. Just God, do this, do that, do that, do that, do that. I told one man one time, he told me his car broke down and he needed this X, Y, Z, such and such and such, such. I gave him instructions what to do, such, 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 do this, such, 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 such. I was willing to pay for his car to get fixed. I gave him specific instructions on what to do, such and such. And the way my instructions were given was to, to ensure this wasn't going to be no setup. You know what I mean? You know, like call my friend, call such and such, such. And that's his buddy on the other line. You know what I'm saying? I grew up in the hood. I don't seen many games. Come on. You ain't, you ain't getting me. I don't seen this stuff. You know, you call and you say, call this number. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm John, the mechanic, and I need $500. Yeah, I got his car over here. He need a muffler. He need a radiator. So and so and so and so and so. You know, and it's his buddy and stuff like that. And next, you know, they split it 250 apiece. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, no, no, I'm smarter than that. I gave him instructions. He flunked the instructions. Amen. I told him what to do. He flunked it. I said, you can't follow instructions. You can't be blessed till you follow instructions. Come on now. You got to start listening. I asked him, now, what did I tell you to do? And he repeated what I told him. I said, did you do what I told you to do? And he said, no. And I said, all right. You just missed your blessing. The next time somebody going to bless you, follow the instructions that they give you. All right? So you ain't true. You ain't true. Something ain't right, brother. Get your life right. I minister to him. And I said, I'm going to pray for you. I told you I was a pastor. And you still kept going down that road of line. That's what I told him. I told you I was a pastor and you still kept going. I was willing to pay it. I set the situation up and you flunked it. All right, but God's mercy is good. Get your life right, my brother. I'm praying for you. Real story. Two months later, I'm at another gas station. I pull up at the gas station and there's this trickster. He's sitting there and time I said, oh, look at him. He ain't quit his games yet. I get stopped pumping my gas and he came on up to me. He said, sir, um, you know, and I said, man, how you doing? He said, hey, you know me? Yeah, I know you know me. And I said, man, you keep doing this trick. You don't even remember who you tried to trick. You tried to trick me two months ago. Get out here in Jesus name, man. You ain't got your life right yet, brother. I sure did. I said, man, quit that foolishness. I'm telling you all, you are know if you start following the spirit on your assignment he will help you but you can't get on your assignment and just get in the flesh and be talking about all that in a bag of chips let me finish here I just want to give you a practical story get you all of that fear and trust the Holy Ghost here it is he said take care of him whatsoever thou spendest more when I come I repay thee verse 36 which now of these three I'm concluding right now which now of these three thinkest thou was the neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Will you stand on your feet? I want to pray. Don't miss your assignment. Don't get caught up in technicalities. Well, you're trying to justify where you can't do what God's called you to do. You've been equipped. You've been assigned. 
God is with you whatever gift talent you have stop using excuses to get you out of labor this is a time of birthing it is a time of labor it is definitely time for you to come forth with all the gifts and grace and giftedness that God is putting you you have a story you have a journey and it's time to overcome all these technicalities and it's time for our thankfulness to move into service it's time for our worship to move into sacrifice it's time for us to have compassion based on what we see this Samaritan was moved so he said oh my god and this is really how I really view ministry this is how I always view ministry that's why I always preach about when Jesus went to the other side of Gennesaret and the man who they called Legion Jesus asked him what is thy name he was so full of demons he said my name is Legion but the truth of the matter the man had a name he was somebody's son he was somebody's uncle he was somebody's father he was somebody so I always try to remember when we ministering to people that I'm ministering to somebody that somebody else loved somebody when I get on the street and I start ministering to a homeless man this is somebody the granddaddy that they hadn't seen in years since he's been strung out on drugs this is somebody granddaddy and sometimes we look at people and forget that they're somebody what type of priest walks by somebody got ripped to strands what kind of priest what kind of Levite don't feel something with somebody else's down? Who are these people who go to Jerusalem, but when they get to Jericho, there's no service? Who are these people? They go up to Jerusalem, thank God for his wondrous works and how wonderful he is and how awesome he is. But when they get to Jericho, they can't see nothing. I believe God is challenging us out of our comfort zone. Will you lift your hands? I'm praying. He's challenging us with the grace that we have. And I feel led to pray that some of you get delivered from comparison. Because some of you are there that won't be my focus today. But I feel it right now that some of you are too busy thinking somebody else is great and you're not sufficient enough. Some of you are thinking that somebody has all the goods and because they got all the goods, they should be doing this. But God is calling you to service. You're too busy looking at everybody else and you're discounting how fearfully, how wonderfully you're made by God. You're discounting that God likes you the way you are, the way you think, and all he's going to do is keep adding grace to your life. Will you lift your hands? I'm praying. I feel the anointing to pray. Just like I felt the anointing to teach and challenge today. What I'm trying to say, I can no longer allow you to come to church and not walk out of here with service. I kind of challenge you to be more than a worshiper. I got to challenge you that you turn your thankf your thankfulness in the service. Your thankfulness in the caring. Your thankfulness in helping somebody. You got to turn it into something. If God's been good to you, won't you be the olive branch for somebody else? Father, I thank you for the anointing to convict that transform lives thank you for the anointing that helps us come out of our technical excuses 
the way we justify ourselves so we don't have to complete our assignments father help us in this season to be accountable to what you've called us to do at the individual level let there be individual accountability father that we no longer just look at things that we could change and improve on and make better and do nothing about it father we pray god that we no longer sleep on our gifts sleep on time sleep on what you put in our hearts but let there be a stirring in our lives lord that we'll be like the samaritan lord that we'll be like the samaritan let me say this while i'm still praying because the other thing I felt, and why I use the word indictment on our worship. Because in this text, God began to tell me there are people who don't even know my name that are doing more than the people who do know my name. And that's what's making the church look so terrible and the church look so bad. Because there are people who don't even like God, don't even believe in God, but they still believe in people. And now we got people who believe in God, but they don't believe in people. But we got people who don't even believe in God. But when they see somebody hurting, they'll do something about it. And God said there's a move happening in the land that's against him because his people are not taking care of things so there are people that don't even like God and then know what they're saying know what they're saying I had to do this because the people who go to church don't do nothing now I know that's not totally true could tell somebody because I'm doing something I know that's not totally true. I know that's not totally true but hear the indictment that's being made against the church for people who go and worship and never turn it into service there are people who never lift their hands to God but they see people suffer and relieve them from their suffering and God want us today to know that there is a higher call of responsibility on our lives just because he changed us just because he delivered us hands lifted again father i thank you for the higher call of responsibility that we'll lead the cause we'll lead the cause of compassion we'll lead the cause of service even when we go to work and susie that experienced trauma at work we won't sit back and allow the envelope the past and not be a contributor of it matter of fact we'll send out the email we won't let everybody else do it but because we've been coming to work every day telling everybody come to my church we've been going to work telling everybody come do this this the word of god this when somebody's going through on our job we're not going to allow the envelope to pass by without doing something we're going to be one of the first ones to give a card we're going to be the first ones to offer prayer we're going to be the first ones to speak up we're going to stop walking past situations as if we're not resourceful as if god won't supply through us god we're going to repent God for not doing what we saw we could have done God we're going to become more responsible and more mature and we're going to stop missing our assignment and we're going to come to grips that we can function and do what you called us to do I 
hate to use the words, but from the least to the greatest, every one of us have a grace and everyone has a call. And if you believe that God can use you, I want you to go ahead and give him praise right now. Come on, if you believe he can use you. If you believe he can use you with all that you've been through, with all your circumstances, come on, I want you to keep praising him. If you believe he can use you. And you ain't even got to be a preacher to be used. Come on. You're already saved. That's enough. Your testimony of salvation is enough. Some of you been healed. That healing is enough. Some of you almost lost your mind. That testimony that you still got your right mind is enough. You ain't got to grab this mic and preach to thousands for you to be effective. Come on, right there on your job. You can be a light to the world. Come on, come on, get yourself together. Come on, stop trying to ask for a new platform. Whatever he's giving you, whatever he's put before you, stop asking for a mic. Stop asking for a new platform. And your job is a platform. Come on. Y'all know Daniel wasn't no preacher. You know Daniel wasn't no prophet. Daniel was a servant in the marketplace. I said Daniel wasn't no preacher. You don't see nothing about Daniel preaching. Daniel went to work with God and God raised him up. Daniel went to work with God and God went to work with Daniel. That's marketplace. It ain't all about preaching. We need some doctors that know God. We need some lawyers that know God. We need some accountants that know God. We need some teachers that know God. We need some um, recycle bin collectors that know God. Environmental services that know God. Come on, we need some teachers that know some professors that know God. Some accountants. No matter what your profession is that know God. And that will bring God into your situation. And so, Father, we thank you that we'll be people that won't miss our assignment. Because of the love you've given us, we'll give to others. Will you clap your hands again? Come on. I feel the presence of the Lord. I do want to pray for somebody who had not accepted the Lord Jesus in your life, personal Savior and King. If you're listening to me today, now is your opportunity to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. If you haven't repented of your sins and you need that opportunity, now is the moment. Well, all you got to say is, Lord, I can't do it by myself. Don't do like the lawyer. He tried to justify himself. He thought he can win a case against Jesus. He thought he can argue his way through this thing. Don't try to do that. Just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need some help. If you're here today, you want to accept Christ. If you're a backslider, you was once with him, but you walked away. But today is your day to come back. I want you to come back now. If you're online right now and you say, today is my day, I want you to dial 845-76. That's the number to dial. If you're online, 845-76. Born again. One word. 845-76. Born again. One word. No spaces. Born again. Okay, text that word. Text that word. Born again. 845-76. And text the word. Born again. No spaces. Come on, make that covenant today. If you're part of visiting our church and you want to join Truth Gathers, a church on a mission, a church where we're going to get it right, how many believe we're going to hit the target? How many believe church we're going to hit the target? I believe we are. I believe we're about to move into one of our greatest times when you want to be a part of this great growing church. You can do the same thing, same number, 84576, and text JOIN TGDC. Come on, that's text join TGDC. You can be a part of our church. We've already had some people just recently fenders new our new members class, and we're thankful for them. So the only even though we don't normally open it up at the floor and 
I want y'all to know that people are still being a part of this church and people are coming back and we're glad to have them. Would you do me a favor and clap your hands and thank God for all the people who recently joined and are coming to this church. I love you and I appreciate you. We're so glad you made covenant with us. And we just bless God for his word today. We hope you've been blessed by this fresh word from Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. Pastor Joseph Davis and the congregation invite you to join them. You can find more information by following them on social media. Just look up Truth Gatherers Dream Center Church. And we pray that God will bless you richly and abundantly in the coming days, knowing that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him.